Hello and welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. I'm Tony Clark, your host. And today I've got a couple of special gentlemen on the program. And their names are Joshua and Caleb, who are also known as the Bearded Bible Brothers. Now, for the, <laughs> for the last several years, they have used humor and visual spectacle through the power of social media to teach the Jewish context of Scripture. After gaining a loyal following as respected Bible teachers, uh, they became the messengers for the TV series Our Jewish Roots, further extending their reach to share the timeless wisdom of their well-cemented faith. And for more information about these guys in the ministry, you can always go to levitt.com, and that's spelled L-E-V-I-T-T.com. So uh, Joshua and Caleb, thank you guys so much for agreeing to do this today. Thank you for having us on. I'm glad we caught an hour in which I'm not asleep. <laughs> this is fantastic. I can't tell if I'm on GMT plus three, CST, V. There's so many different letters and time zones now. It's very confusing. Yeah, it is. And, and, I, and most of the folks I've interviewed are central time. So I've kind of learned uh, over the past year or so to, to, to differentiate between Eastern and Central. I, I made a couple of mistakes in the beginning, but but hopefully I'm back on track. But but again, you guys are a blessing. And I want to talk about your ministry. I want to talk about your social media outreach, all of the things that you guys do. But I've got to start with uh, something that's happened recently, the horrible terrorist attacks in Israel. Yeah. And it just so happens you, were, you guys were on the ground in Israel uh, while these horrible attacks were taking place. Yes. Uh, can you talk about this a little bit? What was going on? What were you doing when, when you heard um, Israel was under attack? Well, we were in Israel uh, many days before that, probably a full week, uh, shooting two different series for Our Jewish Roots, which is our television show, and uh, which is timely because the subject matter happened to deal with Armageddon and Psalm 83 war, Gog and Magog, all these future wars that are coming uh, to Israel. And we went to those dangerous spots in the borders, you know, up in Lebanon and Syrian border. And when the attack occurred on Saturday, we were at uh, the second largest mosque in Israel, in Abu Ghosh, which is a suburb of Jerusalem. And we were preaching about Josiah and the last reformation and, and truly about what happened uh, when the nation turns to God and then what happens when the nation turns away from God and the enemies of God's people come and, and, and afflict them. And during that, that message, rockets started shooting over our head. I mean, literally, we saw uh, the trails of the rockets. We saw uh, the iron, iron, iron Dome activated. They were shooting those out of the sky, missiles. Uh, uh, to, be, to be clear, <laughs> they saw it. I was actually on camera at the time, so I didn't get the benefit of seeing wow. it. I got the benefit of hearing it explode over my head. And I was going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, he was the one to go, don't cut, whatever you do. Um, yeah. It was a powerful moment, all, all jokes aside, because I was talking about the impact that Josiah had in his life in bringing this reformation to the land yeah. and uh, about the lengths that he went to to cleanse the land of sin once he found out what the true law was. Mm -hmm. And literally, that's when the first missiles exploded overhead. And we had no context before this about what was mm -hmm. happening. I'd been in Israel before. I'd been held at gunpoint in the Gaza Strip before. I, I've experienced a lot of war scenarios over the past 20-some-odd years mm -hmm. in my missions travels. But we had no context for this. So I just kept preaching because Caleb's going go like this. Uh, and then the next thing after that mm -hmm. I said was that, as soon as the missiles went off, the sirens happened next. And I said, right now, 
there are people that will die today from those sirens yeah. that I hear going off and they will be eternally separated. That's the importance of today. And it was like this amazing, profound kickoff that that led us through the next several days as the war progressed and we found out what was really taking place. Yeah. Uh, we were forced to go straight to our hotel because um, when these go off, you're not allowed to stay in the streets. You either have to get in a, spe a specific position or go to a, a bunker. And so um, we initially were t taken to a bunker where we kind of, you know, convened about what we're going to do in this process. And then God opened up the, the doors for that mm. process. Guys, it, it's so it's so bizarre because um, pretty much my entire life I, I've, I've known that uh, traveling to Israel is much safer than most oh, yeah. of our mid to large cities in this country by far. Yes, and it was such a shock to, to, to hear of this and to see these attacks taking place. Guys, just on an emotional level, what was going through your minds when you finally realized what was taking place, the attack? I mean, sorrow is the first thing that hits you because we know that the, that the uh, people in play when there's an attack in Israel are fully committed to that attack being um, fatal. Successful, yeah. And so our, the first thing was the sorrow of saying, well, if this is happening, we know that this is a calculated attack and we know that it's got one plan that has, that's to bring death. Yeah. And so um, our first thought was immediately to pray for the people wherever the attack took place. Again, we kind of knew it's probably something to do with the Gaza Strip. You know, you kind of have certain subtext in mind that you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I know I, I'm sure Caleb, too, was overwhelmed with the sorrow of, well, what's about to happen because this is intended to be bad. Yeah, God had given us this burden before we even left for our trip to Israel, uh, a burden of, of the heaviness of something we were going to have to deal with there. We had uh, a little bit of prophetic insight that God had given us of a conflict that was going to unravel there. So we were prepared, our families were prepared that something was going to happen when we were there. And so we had prayed in advance, we had fasted, we were ready for the poo to hit the fan, basically. We, we really were and so when it did happen, uh, the Holy Spirit just kicked in, and we were in, in a mode truly to minister because there was a lot of people are afraid. Our, our, our bus drivers, our Israeli producers, no one wanted to stay out in the street. We said, no, this is the time we're supposed to go out and minister to people. We're supposed to alleviate their fears. And God opened many doors for us because as soon as we started uh, filming these updates, we immediately filmed updates when the war was happening. We said, we got to upload it now. And we started immediately you know, right there from our phones, uploading updates. And we were the first videos to really hit social media. And so people that normally wouldn't view us started viewing us, especially uh, the other side, Muslim terrorists. People were watching our video because we specifically hashtag their operations so that they could see our video. And at the end of our first video, we gave a gospel shout out that Yeshua is the only way to salvation and Allah only wants your death and our God died for you. And that was a powerful testimony. And we were getting 50% more uh, Muslim uh, hateful responses to those videos, but we know they saw the truth and that's what mattered. Guys, again, one of the things I appreciated, and 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 certainly I watched the the network coverage or or some network coverage of of the event. Um, but one of the things I appreciated about you guys is you guys were on the ground, um, and you you were looking at it from a spiritual, from an eternal uh, perspective instead of a temporary one. And, and to be able to uh, use God, God use that opportunity through you guys to to basically 
preach the gospel. And, and what, a, what an opportunity. And, and uh, it, it's interesting that you, you, you believe you had some insight going into that ahead of time, that something was going to, uh, not necessarily that would happen, but something, there, there was a burden, I guess, on your heart yeah. about God was going to do something through you guys. Yeah. Caleb did. I remember the day he actually texted me and then called and he was weeping. Uh, it, it hit him when he was out to eat with his family. And uh, I, I don't often see my brother that emotional. And so uh, I have learned two things when Caleb says something. If he says it's God, listen and go ahead. And if he's really emotional, something's seriously happening. And so at that point in the trip, the question for me almost was, well, maybe what he was experiencing with God was only going to be a spiritual thing because the trip was almost over. And then as soon as that happened, it was like, nope. It's going to be a physical thing, too. And one of the things we could have never anticipated that was a total God move for us is that we had been all over the country for that week previous, and people had seen us. Apparently, we stood out. Now, yes, we're very (laughs) tall and very hairy, but most of the uh, traffic of people that came up to us when we began to minister in the streets were people who said, hey— I saw you in Caesarea. I was like, who's that Samson guy over there with the, you know, in yeah. front of the camera? Who's this guy? And so we were inundated with people who were asking for prayer or mm-hmm. information on what we were doing there simply because they had just seen us for an entire week, mm-hmm. which opened up that door for us to minister. And of course, people were hurting as well. So yeah. they were asking questions about the Lord. We were praying in the streets of Jerusalem in the name of Yeshua, yeah. which is not something you would typically see, <laughs> do, or hear. And then people who were passerbyers while we were praying for people were stopping and say, can I be next? Will yeah. you pray for me next? Uh, and we're like, yeah, well, I was just buying a camel for my daughter at home at the souvenir shop, and I would love <laughs> to pray for whatever's happening with you. Guys, uh, you, you, you guys teach on the end times as well as many other things, but yeah. just in your own opinion, uh, where do you see this going? Do you do you see it? Uh, certainly, everything's leading into end time Bible prophetic events. Yeah. But just in your own opinion, where do you see this going? Or and and you maybe you can't answer this, but just in your own opinions, uh, where's this where's this conflict going? Well, I'd love to answer this kind of question. We get a lot of it. You know, is this prophetic? You know, is this a war talked about in Scripture? Um, currently right now, I believe we're in the birth pains that Yeshua talked about in Matthew 24. We're seeing wars, rumors of wars. We're seeing pestilence, plague. We're seeing all these things, uh, nation against nation. Um, currently, right now, it's it's nothing. It's one of those conflicts. However, it could precipitate into the Psalm 83 war. If you've uh, read Psalm 83, Asaph the seer um, was given prophetic insight by God of a coalition in the future that would be uh, led by Ishmaelites in the tents of Edom. Um, now, Gaza was the one who started this, but Gaza is included in the Psalm 83 war. So uh, n- not to date, since you know May 14th, 1948, Israel was reborn as a nation. There was an Arab-Israeli war. People are like, well, maybe that was the Psalm 83 war. No, not all the nations participate in that coalition. Uh, not in the Six-Day War in 67, not in the Yom Kippur War in 1973. So we're still looking for the fulfillment of that war. And it doesn't have to happen during the tribulation. It can happen today. So um, when this occurred, when we saw this conflict arise, God told us to pray. And many uh, of the calls we gave in our videos is for the Jewish people, the believers on the ground, the Messianics, to pray and ask for repentance. Because if a nation turns their heart back to God, then God's going to step in, just like in all those wars in times past, where they were outnumbered 10 to 1, and boom, here comes God, and a war lasted six days. How long does that, you know, it doesn't happen very often, but we weren't seeing 
the fruits of God interacting in this war. You know, five days in, we're still not seeing, you know, supernatural intervention. So we were like, okay, there's something wrong here. We need to pray. We need to intercede. We need to repent. And, uh, and thank goodness we're starting to see these reports now. Uh, today, they're saying uh, one-fifth of the rockets that Hamas is firing off are going back to them. They're exploding. Uh, 550 rockets uh, uh, turned back against their own people. That's God at work. And Israel has seen those supernatural uh, moments of intervention in times past. So we're praying and believing this does not escalate into Psalm 83. You know, this. I, I guess this is a, the the first really big conflict for Israel since, uh, I guess, the early 70s. Uh, so my, my question, guys, is do you see... Because this is such a horror, this is so horrific to the to the to the predominantly the, the Jewish people in Israel. Do you see it maybe as an opening for the gospel? Hmm. I, I believe it's a perfect opening for the gospel, uh, and, and mainly because there was so uh, there was so much that was shaken amongst the people that live in Israel when this happened. Hmm. We were told by multiple people um, that we spoke with, uh, "This is the nine eleven." For Israel, yeah. this is emotionally how we feel. the The intensity of, of feeling unsafe, of the unexpected attack, and then the uh, expanse of that attack. We talked to another individual who said, "You know that predominantly when films have been made about the Gaza Strip in Israel in the '90s in America, that it was almost a caricature of war. That it was mm -hmm. silly. But this is the first time I've seen a war where I felt like." That's an accurate portrayal of what, what war was really like. Mm. So when we would talk to Israelis and people who were there, there's a we're afraid. We're afraid twofold. We're afraid because we don't want war and death, and, and we don't want to have um, our families unsafe. But we don't know how this happened on Israel's watch. Yeah. One of the most profound statements I heard was, if I kneel down on the Temple Mount to tie my shoe, I will have 10 guns stuck to my head in a matter of five minutes under the fear that I might not be praying to Allah. Yeah. But they, 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 they got across the Gaza Strip in 60 different points, and Israel didn't see it happen. Mm. So there's a distrust and there's a fear. And any time that, that people uh, have a fear that involves man, it's an opportunity for God to step in and show why trust in man is, is irrelevant compared to trust in God. Mm-hmm. Good points. And guys, let's kind of segue from that. Um, I'm going to ask a question. How do how do two nice Jewish boys like you uh, wind up following Jesus? How does that happen? Oh. Man, we, we are so blessed. I, I've told people my whole life because they'll ask me, like, how do you have such faith and how do you believe? And I said, I'll be honest with you. Uh, for me, it wasn't really faith because faith is the definition uh, of the evidence of things not yet seen. Mm -hmm. um, our mother, who is an amazing, tiny, uh, terrifying little Jewish woman who could take on the devil with, with her <laughs> finger out like this. Um, I've seen her do it. Uh, was an orphan, and uh, Jesus literally visited her when she was a child and said, I'm your dad. And so her relationship with Yeshua started at, at that young of an age mm. and was a personal, intimate relationship the way it's supposed to be. So we were raised already believing in Yeshua, yeah. even though we were raised to know of our heritage um, and that uh, we expounded on that as we got older. Our focus was always that Yeshua was the Messiah. Yeah. And then on top of that, we were surrounded um, by believers 
uh, in meetings and great men and women of faith where we were seeing the miracles take place from a small child. Yeah. So we never said, okay, is, could Yeshua not be it? No, he's right there. And that person's arm is regrowing and this person's being prophesied over and all these different things that the Bible said were being spelled out for us. Yeah. And so that when that happens, to me, faith isn't the issue. It's about don't grow complacent with what you've been given now. Hmm. Where's your charge to now go use it and make that difference? And that's what I think for me, we experienced. Well, yeah, we grew up under uh, great generals of the faith. We had the opportunity to go to these tent revivals during the Jesus movement, you know, the tail end of the Jesus movement. Um, and so, yeah, we saw signs, wonders, miracles. And our godparents were missionaries uh, to the gospel. You know, we didn't have uh, uh, grandparents that were rooted in the faith, but we had godparents that were, and they traveled around the world. And we heard the stories uh, of them raising the dead and healing the sick. And then we saw it with our own eyes. And so, yes, we made that personal decision uh, when we were children to choose Yeshua for ourselves, but we were guided along that path by by parents who raised us in the faith. So we had a very strong foundation growing up. So we cheated. It was easy. <laughs> no, that's how it should be. It's really how it should be for Jewish believers. It really is. That's rare. That's that's an amazing story. It's so rare uh, yeah. as well. Uh, so, guys, let's let's talk about your, your program, uh, the, the, the Bearded Bible Brothers. And I've got a question we'll get to in, in just a moment, a uh, follow-up to that. But uh, you guys are with Our Jewish Roots, formerly... Zola Levitt Ministries, and talk about that. How did you guys get started with this ministry? Wow, it, we've been with the ministry for 17 years in different capacities. Um, started off as editor, uh, camera guys. Um, Josh would go on their trips with them to Israel. Uh, we would shoot. We would go in the studio. Um, we, we joined on right before Zola passed away, a month before he passed away, and we've been with them ever since. And so we've been with them through a lot of changes and they had us behind the scenes, but throughout the whole thing, everybody who was a host or who was in charge were like, y'all guys really know scripture. Y'all guys really know the but Y'all need to be hosts someday. And we would just laugh it off. And eventually five years ago, um, they came to us and like, we, you guys need to reach out on social media. That's an audience we haven't tapped yet. A younger generation and y'all are younger guys. We're not that young, but uh, younger than, than the generals who came before us. And so this was an opportunity uh, that we thought to get people to desire the word again. The word is something that's not taught anymore, we believe, in church. You know, you, you may get a three-point sermon and one scripture verse, but people don't seek God for themselves. And if they read the word for themselves, their whole lives would open up and they would understand the authority they have as believers and they would understand who they are in God's grand scheme of, of, of their calling, you know, who are you? Why are you here? What is your job to do? And even it's sad that even, you know, a large portion of believers don't know why they're here. Well, we're all here to preach the gospel. Well, what's my calling? What's my gifting? Well, the Holy Spirit leads you into that knowledge of all truth, but they're not seeking God because they're not taught that uh, in the churches. So we wanted to get back to the foundation of it but also with fun, because we're fun, silly, hairy guys. And that, that's why they asked him to be the host, as you can see, and me to make a joke every six minutes so that, so that people don't get offended or fall asleep. But, yeah, we we were on that uh, watch for five years. We're, we're still on the social media watch. But uh, after a while, you know, Jeff, Dr. Jeffrey Seif, a good friend of ours, we love Jeff, uh, three PhDs, you know, 
he he's he's an amazing man. He he's moved on, and they will. Hey, you guys, can you step forward and take that position? We weren't we weren't planning that, but we knew it was God's timing, and so we we were very happy. That's why we were in Israel. We were shooting our very first series. Uh, yeah, it's going to start airing uh, in January. So what an inauguration, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, join the ministry. You too can start war. All you have to do is go to Israel. Well, it's it's definitely a, a dynamic start, and 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 your show, you guys cover, or your program, I forget what it's called these days, but you cover <laughs> everything from the Nephilim to false prophets to the yeah. Prince of Persia. Talk about your, your your show. What are you what are you promoting? What are you teaching? What's the premise behind uh, the Bearded Bible Brothers show? God God told us to start off with basics, and for five years we've been building up people with foundational aspects of the faith. You can't go to the meat unless you go to the milk first. So we started uh, with our loyal followers building up to certain concepts that we believe are integral to to the end times, to the last days that we're living in now, uh, that people need to prepare for and be ready. Um, and so we are very choosy with our topics. We really pray about, Lord, is it time to tell people about this? Are people going to be receptive to this message? Because like you said, Nephilim, that's that's far out stuff. Super basic, right? Super <laughs> foundational, just like he's describing. Everybody knows that. It was on the felt board in Sunday school. You saw oh, big right. Nephilim with six toes and fingers. Right. Conspiracy and theories, <laughs> guys, aren't supposed to preach his gospel, but we feel that's a necessary thing to understand. And Satan's plans, which are repetitive over and over again in history, so we know he's going to carry out the same things over and over again. So we're like, you got you got to be ready. We really have to be. Trust ready. me, I'll get scripts from Caleb <laughs> very often, and I'll and I'll look at it like this, and I'll be like. This is supposed to be boot camp. There's six <laughs> syllables in that word. Are you, are you ready for this? Are you sure? Uh, and, and what we realize is that just like anything today, whether it's with uh, television, you're watching a comedy, whether it's with an instructional thing at school, there's been a dumbing down of society. Uh, you can look at a fifth grade syllabus in the 1800s for the United States about the requirements to get to the sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And they have openly admitted that there are seniors who can't answer the questions that are in that kind of a syllabus. Mm -hmm. So now I look at the gospel, something that has an open attack on it for a very long period of time now. Mm -hmm. And I say, is there an intent for the uh, enemy to go ahead and minimize our understanding of our own faith? Yes, there is. And so we do our best to take concepts that may seem complex to individuals, or maybe they've never even heard them before, but make them as relevant as possible yeah. so that we can put those building blocks together. Because at the end of the day, we've saw Bearded Bible Brothers as Boot Camp 101. If you're going to get called and drafted into the army, like it feels like happened when we were in Israel, you need to have a baseline of understanding of your faith. Yeah. And there's more to your faith than just the stories that you've heard those stories in the Bible, those beautiful things that we heard growing up as children, they have a place, but they're all connected. Yeah. And there's a theme that's all together. And I hear so often that faith exists or religion exists as some form of emotional blanket for us, right? It just exists for us to feel good in a universe that we don't understand. But it's far from that. Mm -hmm. It is an equipping and it is more powerful than anything else uh, informatively that we could put into our system today. And so that was really the focus when it said, Bearded Bible Brothers, okay, and we need to teach them to stop shaving because that's <laughs> God's first male defense on your face is hair. But, I wanted to ask about that. That was my follow-up question, actually. Uh, you've got the title, The Bearded Bible Brothers. What happens if one of you guys come in the office and you're, like, clean-shaven? Do you have to change the, the title of your show? What, what happens? I've already, I've already been chastised for nearly doing that. Um, yeah. I... 
I and my own career, we both have separate career paths. Caleb's actually been full-time here 17 years, and I've had uh, different ministry occupations that I've had. So yeah. there's been times where I've uh, come in with a week-long beard instead of like a you know five-month-long beard, and it's like, heresy! Um, <laughs> the idea was funny. We've, we've, we've been shaving since we're like 12 years old, and we've always fought, you know. <laughs> we, we, we grew up in, in denominational um, Christian schools that, that made us shave, and this was at first a little bit of a, well, God made us this way. Why do we have to? We're Jewish. Come on. Um, Jesus had a beard. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. It, it's always been a preference, you know, call it heritage, call it whatnot. Just something inside of us wanted to be uh, hairy. So <laughs> it, it fit the acronym to have bearded Bible brothers. <laughs> Well, another question to that, or, or uh, kind of a uh, follow-up uh, to the follow-up, um, most family members can't work together. How, how do you guys as brothers, how do you how do you work together so well? It, it appears on the outside. I'm going to start that off because I have the best answer for that, hands down. This guy and I were confined to share a room for 18 years of our life. 10 by 10. A 10 prison cell without bars. And I say that because... In the natural, our personalities are very different. His mm. preferences and mine are very different. My hygiene and his <laughs> are very different. And so this, this became a point of contention for most of our life. We have always loved and respected each other, mm. always defended each other against yeah. the world. But when it came down to our little small living space that we share, we rubbed like this a whole bunch, and not just because we're big. Yeah. And Caleb moved out literally into getting married. And, um, which was another thing that rubbed me the wrong way because I'm older and I always wanted that first, but you know, he did all that stuff first. And once we got out of that, we ended up going to film school together because yeah. God told him and then forced me. <laughs> and, uh, we realized for maybe the first time for me, cause I'm slower and he probably already knew mm. that our giftings, albeit our personalities were different. They paralleled each other and they made these two halves that made a whole like this. Yeah. And throughout the process of the last 20 plus years since we got those degrees, there has been an overwhelming understanding that I just, there's certain things I'm not gifted at. And there's just certain things that he is and vice versa. And yeah. we respect each other's callings and anointing so much that when it comes to those moments, we can just step aside and let each other minister in the way that they're designed to. Yeah. And it makes the whole better. I have no pride issues with him being my younger brother because he has such a gift from God and such a, a diligence and persistence in his studying of the word. You know, it, what better thing could you have than one of the most knowledgeable Bible patrons on the planet be your brother? And he's going to talk and you're going to get half the credit because your name's on the thing. I mean, it's a no brainer for me. He's not. Josh is amazing. He's intelligent. He has an IQ of Einstein just to let everybody know. But we all know each other's giftings, yeah. and our parents uh, got told them growing up to name us Joshua and Caleb because we were going to take the land, we were going to have a good report by faith, and we were going to minister together. And they knew that, and we we knew that growing up, but we had to learn how we fit together, how we can operate together. And I, I've always known his evangelistic giftings. He can go on the street, and people are drawn to him, and he has boldness. He can preach to thousands without a blink of an eye. And, and he always knows the words to say because the Holy Spirit gives it to him, and he knows my giftings. And we work together, uh, like he said, we're each other's weak, he's strong, and that's just uh, what God called us to do. We have our own personal ministries we, we do alone. He traveled as a missionary for 20 years without me um, to, to the most uh, not cool places you would ever not want to go in, in India and Burma and Africa and, and uh, the Philippines, everywhere he went was a place of destitution uh, where people were desperate and needed God. And he went there and God uh, used him 
through the desperation of faith that other people had to do miracles and those signs and wonders. And, and we come here to America and we see that lacking. We see there's no desperation for God because people have everything they need. They have the government backup plans, you know, they have their 12 streaming, you know, services, you know, all the food and junk food that they want. But when you go to those other countries, they don't have that. And so you tell them, here's what Jesus can do for you. And they believe it and they grab a hold of that. And, and, and so we need to, is what we've been teaching. We need to teach that to, to America. Hey, turn back to God. You need that desperation. You're not making it without him. And, and just like with Israel, it takes sometimes those catastrophic events for people to realize they aren't enough. They need that higher power. They need the God of Israel to redeem them and to save them. Guys, do you, uh, in your outlook with your ministry together, do you have a vision for the ministry? Uh, do you have a hope? Where do, you, where do you see your ministry or where do you want it to go in the future? Well, we have a desire that God has given us. We have this impending desire. I'm sorry, just get emotional for this. Yeshua is coming soon. He really is coming soon. And we have a very short window of opportunity to reach as many souls as we can with the gospel before that trumpet sounds. And the gospel goes to the Jew first and to the Greek. It's not that we, we deem Jewish people more important uh, than the Gentiles, but we know the future of what happens to our people. Uh, many times we reference uh, Zechariah 6, 12 through 13. Uh, that's about the Messiah building uh, the temple. We know he's going to build the temple. And, and Jews right now, they're looking for a Messiah to come and build the temple. And we feel that warning, guys, there is a temple to come, but it's going to be the tribulation temple. <laughs> and whoever's going to build it is not going to be the Messiah. And so we see these warning signs popping up. We see the warning signs of Zechariah that only two-thirds of the Jewish people will survive the tribulation. One-third will come as, as being refined through the fire, and they will call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. That means two-thirds are going to perish. So, yes, we know that doom is coming upon them, but as Josh always says, we can lower that ratio through math. I'm a math guy, right? <laughs> yeah. I had this amazing like epiphany that God gave me, not to change the tone of it, but it's a happy yeah. thing for me when I think yeah. about it, because you can have two-thirds of six million, and that's a big number, yeah. but two-thirds of ten, that's a way smaller number. And the promise was mm. that two-thirds was going to happen. But if we believers now, yeah. Those of us who know Yeshua, there's an actual commitment involved. I know, surprise, it was a free gift to get into heaven, but there's some strings attached. You're supposed to go share this news. Mm. And if we go now and we get as many people saved as possible, specifically get as many Jews saved as possible, then that two-thirds number, albeit a terrible number that's going to happen, yeah. can be severely diminished by yeah. us dying to ourselves. And so this ministry, you say, what's our goal for it? We don't care about our names and faces. Yeah. If they wanted to black silhouette us and put us on like the Dateline update, then <laughs> they couldn't share our face. That's fine because I don't believe in the idea of a Christian celebrity, first yeah. of all. There's only right. one celebrity. It's Jesus. Yeah. We want people to point to Yeshua. Mm -hmm. And so if you're sitting at home and you have been complacent, we want you inspired. If you feel ignorant to the gospel, we want you equipped. Yeah. If you have an outlet and you're equipped and you're not complacent, but you just don't know where to use it, we want to inspire and empower you to be able to hear how you can use it. Mm. Look at us and look at this ministry as a United States um, a, uh, station for the government. We just drafted everybody and they're getting their assignments. That's what we want for this ministry, that it hands out the assignments to whoever watch. 
mm-hmm. for what God has called and ordained for their life to be in ministry and through the sharing of evangelism. Because mm-hmm. even though we all have different gifts, there was one great commission. The most important thing, in my mind, I would assume, with the Messiah floating off into heaven is, oh, by the way, it wasn't turn off the bathwater or I left the oven on. It was go and tell everyone. And that's all of our job. Yeah. Our sphere of influence may not be the thousands of people, you know, millions of people that were in Israel when this broke out. Like, we got an opportunity to have. Yeah. But it's the checkout lady. It's the waitress who's having a horrible day and has no self-worth. It's the single mom. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this and that. It's each person you encounter. If you can stop for two seconds, take your eyes off yourself, God has given you a field of people in need of triage. And that's what our ministry hopes to, to focus on. Mm-hmm. Very, very vital vital message and i want to i want to i want to conclude with dealing with how someone can receive that message Mm. but i want to go back to what we were talking about in the beginning that the nation of israel you guys were on the the ground when the rockets were were hitting people were being slaughtered um guys i want you to speak to many many i want you to speak to the church because a, a huge segment of the body of Christ believes that Israel is no longer important on God's timeline, that uh, the Jewish people are no longer important, mm-hmm. um, that in essence, the church has replaced Israel 100 uh, percent. Guys, can you speak to the importance of the nation of Israel and, and can you speak to the church? Absolutely. That's called replacement theology. That was a lie created by Satan. And he's been pushing that for generations upon generations because he doesn't want God's people valued. He wants us to think that we are the center of the world. If we look at scripture and we read, Israel does this and Israel does that, and this is God's promise to Israel. Well, how can we trust God's eternal everlasting covenant to Abraham if if we can't trust him with our salvation? You know, we're saying, okay, we trust God. We're going to heaven someday, but you don't trust he's going to keep his promise to Israel? There's a problem with that because he's not going to break his promise to Israel. He says, you know, if if, if uh, the worlds come out of alignment, you know, and, and all heavens and earth pass away, then you don't have to trust me anymore. No, he upholds all things with the word of his power. And that's why we can't believe, and yes, we're Jewish, uh, but we can't believe that we've replaced Israel as the church because God has a plan. Now, it's not that God's playing favorites with Israel. It's that he chose them. They were selected. It's called an election. They didn't earn it. And many times in Ezekiel, God says, it's not because of something you did, O house of Israel, but because of my name, because of my greatness, so that I can be magnified in your eyes. He chose the least of all people for his son to be born in, so that they would be a light to the nations, a light uh, to the Gentiles. And they have lost that moniker over the years. Originally, they were. You know, we had Paul go out. We had the apostles go out. But then this great deception came through a man called Constantine. I know people think that's heresy. But overnight, we had the entire Roman Empire become Christians just by being a Roman citizen. That's not how the gospel comes. You have to make that choice through Yeshua. You have to choose for him to take away your sins. And so at that moment, Israel lost his place. And the importance of the Jewish people lost its place. Anti-Semitism is the spirit of Antichrist, guys. It is the spirit of the enemy seeking to take away uh, Messiah's plan. Because if he can, if he can get you to, to take away that importance of Yeshua being Jewish, then guess what? Maybe he has a chance, he thinks. Maybe he has a chance 
at this this grand scheme of things in the end times. You know, he can deceive the nations. He can deceive God's people. When it all comes down to it, Satan knows every soul that he turns away from God, he gets to accompany with one day in the lake of fire. I like to bring it back to a very simple concept, and that is of fatherhood. There's a reason why God uh, uses the idea of a father and his children in, mm. throughout the entire Bible. And so here you have God the Father who says, these are my people. These are his children, right? He starts off with the Jewish people. Mm. And you say, well, how do we know they're important to God? Well, we know that because God's greatest enemy, the devil, spends his entire time on this planet, limited as it may be, trying to destroy those very people. So mm. right off the bat, if they have no uh, opposition, we know they're of no value. But they continue to have opposition even today. It doesn't make any sense that a country smaller than New Jersey faces the opposition and the envy mm. of everyone across the globe. Why would we hate on a group that had no value? Mm. Why would we try to take the land of a group that had no value throughout history and yet it continues to happen? That's my first clue right there. But mm. let me remind everybody at home in the church about how fatherhood works and how adoption works. Mm. If you're a daddy and you have your own kids, let's call those the Jewish people. Mm. And then one day you come across some other people who you want to be a part of your family, and so you adopt them. Maybe let's call them the church. Does dad forget about his, his birthright? Does he forget about mm. his people, his original kiddos? No. Mm. Does that mean that he loves the adopted kids any less? No. Mm. That means his family just got bigger, mm -hmm. and he loves them, and they have the same weight and value because he is dad. And so often we get caught up in theology and we get caught up in the interpretation of theology. And instead of this being a family, it becomes some idea for us to argue about. Mm. And all of a sudden we become guilty of what Paul warned of. We got no love and none of it matters to begin with. Mm. So the whole point is you're not fighting for a group of people because God considers them most important. You're fighting for your brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. You're fighting for the family you were adopted into. Mm. You're fighting for the kiddos of the king of the universe mm. who saved you and them because of one reason, he loves you. Mm. And for that reason alone, if there was nothing else, if you saw no other evidence that's compounded and detailed and in the book, then we should fight for Israel for that very cause because our brothers and sisters over there are still, still the, the, the focus of opposition, death, and destruction by the enemy. Mm. You know, what amazes me, guys, is... Um, you can have a, a Klan's member, a KKK member, um, and a, and a black Muslim agreeing on their hatred of the Jew. How, how do you explain that? Um, and, and I, I, just in my own personal opinion, I think a lot of it in the churches is just because out of ignorance, because I, I'm thinking back to the late eighties, I, I was a teenager and I, I would, I saw this crazy looking guy on, on a channel and he was dressed in garb from 2000 years ago, but he was obviously Jewish and he was, he was proclaiming truth. He was proclaiming his faith in Jesus. And that, that show really educated me. Mm. Uh, to, to get a good understanding of basically our Jewish roots as Gentile believers. So yeah. that really enlightened me. So you guys are, you know, come forward many years and, and you guys are in this position of Zola Levitt Ministries or our, our Jewish roots. But I, I just say that to, to say that I, I think certainly it's, it's a spiritual warfare there in the church, but also I think it's a lot of ignorance. Folks, Christians just aren't educated mm. as well. On, on, on their Jewish roots. What, yes. what do you guys think? Scripture says, my people perish from lack of knowledge. And like we were saying, our call to educate the body of Christ 
was not just from the Jewish roots, it's anything in Scripture. And Satan wants you to not read the Word, because the Word is, is quick, living, and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Your weapon is the Word, and you can fight the enemy on his ground in the spirit world, and you can divide asunder his spiritual being with that living Word of God. So he doesn't want you to know the Word of God. He doesn't want you to know your authority as a believer. When, when Jesus left, he gave us all authority in heaven and earth, and we should be functioning in that. Now, if we all function in the authority and the power Yeshua gave us, the world would be a lot different place, but people perish for lack of knowledge. They don't know the truth. The, the problem with being uh, ignorant to something is that it promotes one of two actions generally. Either one, complacency, because I'm insecure and I'm afraid to act and I don't want to have to ask for help. I've been going to the same church for 20 years. I've been saying amen every time something happened. But to be honest, I don't understand this concept. And so instead of humbling myself and, you know, talking to pastor or, or finding an outlet to understand this, I just grow more complacent in, in the word. And so now, yes, I'm going to go to heaven, but my knowledge of what I believe in goes further and further and further to that back row of the church. And the second problem is if they're not complacent, then they're acting on the wrong ideas. And we see this happen a lot, too, Apostasy. is that all of a sudden people are defending and shaking their fists in the air over something that isn't even biblical at all. Mm -hmm. And in most cases is anti-biblical. Yes. And so now the people who call themselves believers in, in Jesus Christ are now his opposition. And so all we're saying is that, mm. you know, we that's why Josiah in the last Re Reformation was one of our series we were filming over there. Josiah had an opportunity. He became king at eight years old. And there was no copies of the law there at that time. Because of his uh, Reformation, they uncovered one scroll. He looked at it, and for the first time, he goes, that's a long list of what we're doing wrong. It just it wasn't just like we had two offerings in one service. Right? Yeah. It was like, no, something was bad wrong here. And he could have just swept that under the rug and been like, well, we're doing kind of all right. The Reformation's going, no, he humbled himself, and he doubled, tripled, and quadrupled his efforts mm -hmm. to make it right. Yeah. We have got to humble ourselves as a people. Mm -hmm. We have to say, God, I'm sorry. I got it wrong. I got it wrong yesterday and I got it wrong today. I'm probably going to get it wrong tomorrow. God can use humility mm -hmm. and he can use repentance, but what he can't use is your pride. Yeah. And too many times now we're growing complacent or we're growing prideful. And that is why we have an, an uh, ill-equipped, uh, unequipped uh, army that is going into battle and getting slaughtered yeah. by the most devout Navy SEAL of false religions all over, the, all over the planet. You can pick any of them. Just about any of them now are more dedicated to their yeah. word. We have everything detailed in a, little, in a little handbook, a little Boy Scout handbook called the Bible. It's all there. And a good God, because he's good, made it so that every single person, including a child, could understand its precepts and follow it and still be justified by faith. Mm -hmm. And he made it complex enough that nobody could say they had it all. <laughs> And it had to be by grace that you're saved, right? Mm. And yet, we put that book on the back shelf. We love to tout that it's an all-time New York bestseller list book. And most of us have never read it or read it once and don't remember it. And we wonder why we're failing as believers in the call for Yeshua. Mm. Words of wisdom. And, and thank you for that. Guys, um, with the events taking place in Israel throughout the world, uh, there's a lot of fear out there. Folks, they're, they're wondering, is there any hope? Is there any salvation? Uh, folks who don't have a relationship with the, the creator of the cosmos. Um, yeah. And they're terrified. Yeah. Uh, and they don't know what's going to happen. Is, is World War III on the verge? You know, uh, what, what's going to happen in the future? And guys, I, I just want you to 
talk talk to that person who is terrified, who doesn't have any hope whatsoever. And I think that's what your entire ministry is built on, is providing hope to the world. Can you speak to that person who is struggling in fear and torment and hopelessness? I'm going to tell you this right now. No matter what fear, no matter what what if, what has come into your mind or continues to try to come against your life, no, no matter the evidence you see that supports that these fears are true, you have a committed father, a daddy, a father God, who has throughout his word promised that his plans for you in life are good. Mm. They are for protection. They are for safety. They are for good and not evil. And we could go scripture after scripture, Psalm 91, all these different verses that explain why you're safe. But you say, well, how do I have that? You have that simply by trusting. Mm. We made these videos in Israel in the midst of a war. And by about the third day, we started getting comments saying, why are these guys so smiley? Why are they so lighthearted? Are they, are they making light of this war, of this situation? We said, I'm glad you asked. We came out and we said, we have a confidence that our fathers placed us here for such a time as this, that no matter what is happening around us, no matter the bombs that are dropping or the guns that are firing or the people who are literally committed to Satan and trying to murder everybody in their path, it's not going to harm us. Because our God has our back. And so I'm going to tell you how you have that too. First of all, you got to get saved. If you haven't done that, it's real simple. The Bible says you simply believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth that Jesus, Yeshua, was the Son of God, that he came and lived a perfect life. He fulfilled the law. He died and he rose again on the third day. And he's up there with the Father preparing a place for you. Boom, now you're in. Let's say you've already done that and you're still afraid. I'm glad you said that because it's real simple too. Forgive me, Father. I'm sorry for giving into fear. I give you permission to take a hold of my life. I command this fear to stop. Why do I say command instead of just ask? Because once you have Yeshua living on the inside of you, you have been given the authority that he had. He said, you're going to do greater things in my name. You have him inside of your heart and you speak to the fear and you say, no, not anymore. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You speak to your circumstances and you rebuke the enemy. And the Bible says when you rebuke the enemy, he has to flee from you. You've been given that right. Literally, Jesus stands in the corner like the biggest bouncer you've ever seen, surrounded by angels that could take on every MMA group and every football team on the planet. And they stand there saying, what are you going to do about it? But you have to give him permission. Yes. Because our God is a gentleman of a God. And he will not act without that permission. And so I, do we have an opportunity to pray? I would love to pray for anyone dealing with this right now. So dear Heavenly Father, we just take authority over spirit of fear. We take authority over any idea that would come into the head of a believer or non-believer, that their life has no meaning, that everything is happenstance, that what if, what if, what if, and we replace that with but God, Lord. This is not about kitschy sayings, Lord God. This is about the fact that you sent your only son to die for us so that we could have eternal life, and you have given us his authority to stand against the enemy. The enemy is nothing more than a magician with smoke screens coming up trying to convince you that you have no power, but you have the power of Yeshua. So I pray, Lord God, for your peace that passes all understanding for everybody in the sound of my voice. I pray to the Father that your Holy Spirit, faith would rise up within them, Lord God, that your sheep would hear your voice and only your voice would they follow. And for those of you who can hear me right now who have not met him, simply ask him into your heart. Simply give him that permission to take a hold of your life. We, we said it earlier a second ago, Dear Heavenly Father, I've sinned. Forgive me for my sins. I believe Yeshua is the Messiah. I want him to be the ruler of my life. If you say that and you pray that, it's as simple as that. 
So we take authority over that fear in Jesus' name. We pray protection, Psalm 91, over all the families, over their belongings, over everything of interest and matter to them, because every hair on your head is cared for meticulously by your Creator. Mm. And we pray peace, strength, and wisdom in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen, and thank you for that. And and you talked about those angels that are bigger than probably even you, Joshua, right? Those big <laughs> bouncers. Exactly. It's a yeah. little compared to them. So yeah, thank you for that. I, I just know folks are struggling. They're 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 asking what is what what's the purpose in my life? Do I have a purpose? This life is so short, uh, and before you know it, it's gone. So, and, and so thank you for that uh, no, that message of eternal security. I just want to say real quick because I don't want to I don't want to be too wordy. But that question of my life, what does it matter? What's the importance? Man, we've all faced that, and even though we have had so many answers given to us at a young age as far as we believe we know we'd be in the gospel we know it was called to missions all this and, and that we have constantly been blown away as as things have unfolded as to what the details really meant so here's the deal you have a plan but don't get caught up and focused on getting the email pamphlet for your life i wanted my whole life send joshua colson's email here i'll never send again okay today is october 23rd it is uh, approximately 4:43, and i am supposed to close this with a prayer because then all of a sudden your trust is in the pamphlet. It's no longer in your father. He is giving you the grace to make it through day by day when you trust him day by day. So even though it sounds like we're giving these pat answers from Sunday school, oh, just pray. Oh, just tell the, f no, 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 no. I can't tell you, but I couldn't, I, we let, I say this in one of my updates, but we flew out of, of Texas on a Thursday. And on Monday, I tore my right calf muscle on my leg playing soccer with my kids. And I refused to go get it operated on at the hospital because I refused to hear them tell me I couldn't go to Israel. And so I said, I made a decision in my head. I said, I'm going to believe that he said to buy stripes, I'm healed. And I couldn't walk for three days. I dragged myself up my stairs to my second story on my forearms when my kids watched me freaking out that something was bad wrong with me. And I woke up on a Thursday morning and I stepped out of bed and I walked and I haven't stumbled since then. God is no respecter of persons. And he already paid the price for all of it. Your plan is secure. Do not give more credit to an enemy who fell at the beginning of creation and has no hope than the man who watches over your creation to this day. I just, I can't say it enough. When you submit into that faith, miracles happen. And even since we've been back and since we left this trip, the miracles that have happened simply by giving that faith into him have been like you read about in the Bible. And it's not because of us. It's just because we've agreed. Thank you. Thank you for that. Guys, um, what's on the horizon for you? What are you guys working on for your, for your ministry, for your program? Well, we're going to be going back to Israel this spring. As long as the flights keep going in, we're going to be leading tours for the ministry, uh, Zola Tours, because we feel it's important that people learn about the Bible by being in the Bible land, by walking that land, by seeing where Jesus walks. So we're going to be doing tours. We're going to be doing more series. And uh, we have a plan for a future. We're going to see how, how this goes, but we trust in God. As long as God wants us to do this, we'll be in this position. If he wants to move us to the next position, we'll do that. But we, we don't try to think too far in advance because we want to hear from him. 
And when he says go, we're going to go. When he says stop, we're going to stop. And trust me, I'm the, I'm the ultimate planner. Josh knows. I like to plan five years in advance for everything. And I've had to learn throughout time, you know, just let the Holy Spirit lead because that's what matters. You know, you don't know everything. Uh, you can't pre-meditate the amazing things that he's going to do in store uh, for your life. You'll be surprised, and it's going to be a good surprise when it happens. But it's humbling because this <laughs> ministry has been in place since 1979. Yeah. The efforts, uh, uh, the pioneer efforts of Zola Levitt are unparalleled. Yeah. Um, men and women today know about Messianic ministry because of the things that he did. And first. so uh, if you're asking God, who who is a place that I should support with my prayers? Who's a place that I should believe in and fight for? It is this ministry, uh, not because of us, yeah. but because we are, are so humbled to be uh, the next torch that's being passed on. A relay race is only as good as the next person who grabs the baton and keeps going. And that's simply all we are. Uh, we're the next leg uh, who's doing it on, but we're all here in the, in the same race together. And so that's, that's what we're asking people to believe for and to pray for. Um, we, we, we invite people, ask questions online, send in your questions. Uh, we don't want to just uh, have the only voice on what's being said. If people have topics that they want to know about, if there's uh, topics of study or anything, yeah. we want to give as much as, as what people feel the need are. And the beauty of, of this is, yes, television programming is shot in advance. So, yes, we have series that are already in the can, but social media is a daily thing. Yeah. And we, we are there to daily check that and to be able to be available in that avenue because of that amazing technology. So, Well, guys, let's, let's kind of close with that. If, if folks want to support your ministry, if they want to check your ministry out, what's the best way to do that? You can go to levit.com. Uh, there's a donation tab there. It's nonprofit. Uh, not just Levitt.com, because we do a lot of work in Israel. We do a lot of missions work. We have To the Jew First Fund. We send our own missionaries out to preach the gospel. Uh, we have a lot of nonprofits that we give to there. Um, so you're not just giving to maybe a TV show. I know it's not give to a TV show. You're tired of televangelists. We do a lot of work for the people of Israel to share that love of Yeshua uh, to the whole world. And so just know that, that we support other ministries as well. We support other nonprofits and we make sure even in Aliyah Return Center, uh, one of the ministries we support, we know Hein Mail's been a good friend of ours. Their job is to get the Jews to return back to the land and, and to support them financially and to get them to fly in. So there's a lot that we do, uh, not just the TV show behind the scenes, but just go to Levitt.com. Levitt.com for that. And on social media, Our Jewish Roots is our handle. Yep. So if you're looking on X, if you're looking on uh, Facebook, if you're looking on Instagram, uh, YouTube, that's how you're going to find our content on those platforms so mm -hmm. that you can both see the past content as quickly and easy as possible and the content that's coming out for the day. Mm -hmm. So. I'll certainly put all of the links below the video. And um, if you're listening just on a podcast, just go to levit.com. It's L-E-V-I-T-T.com. And you can find all of those links. And uh, I, I highly encourage you to check it out. Check out their program. But, uh, gentlemen, um, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on today, um, Joshua and Caleb. And you've been a blessing. And uh, just thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for allowing uh, Christ to live through you in a dark time. Thanks, Tony, for inviting us. We appreciate it. Very grateful and humbled to be here. Well, guys, I'll just ask you to stay on a minute post-interview. But um, again, uh, Joshua and Caleb, a.k.a. the Bearded Bible Brothers. And guys, thank you so much. And until next time. <laughs> Thanks, Tony.